Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. Hello and welcome to another episode of Idleman Unplugged. This episode features Pastor Shane reading chapter 6 of his book, If My People. We hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. Chapter 6 of If My Book, If My People, Pastors and the Sin of Silence. Before we conclude... We need to address another hindrance to revival. And let me just state up front that countless pastors and Christian leaders are currently doing amazing things. Many of them have invested into my own life, and I praise God daily for them. But I also see a very disturbing trend taking place. Over the last few decades, Americans have witnessed the destruction of the institution of marriage between a man and a woman, the removal of God's word in most of the public arena, horrific racism and division, and the blatant murdering of millions of babies, and this huge push uh, to change the gender of our young adults and our children. And I believe that this is an indictment against America, and the pulpit is partially responsible. Yes, you heard, heard me correctly. I believe that the, par- the pulpit in the churches of America, of the churches of America, are partially responsible. Our silence speaks volumes. You see, the pulpit regulates the spiritual condition of God's people, which affects the nation. So a lukewarm, sex-saturated culture and church simply reflects the lack of conviction in the pulpit as well as the pew. What happens is the pulpit preaches the fire of God's word. Uh, Of course, the encouragement of God's word, the love of God's word, the mercy of God's word, the totality, all of God's word. And as the pulpit is on fire, it sets the pew on fire. And what follows after that, the community on fire. I'm talking on fire for God. Uh, Our families. And that's with God has given the pulpits of America this incredible gift to be able to direct the nation and call the nation to repentance. And uh, that's what um, early Americans did. If you look back at even the 1700s, the first great awakening and how that sparked possibly the American revolution. Uh, and then even after that, uh, second great awakening and, and the pulpit would talk about hot button issues. There's just no way around that. Pastor Jim Garlow in a conversation with me recently said, There are approximately 364,000 churches in America, 72% or 264,000 of them are liberal, meaning they really don't care about the Bible. According to an exhaustive survey, somewhere between 6,000 and 15,000 actually have a bona fide biblical worldview. That is, they see life through the lens of Scripture. Wow, that's incredible. Nearly 72% of churches don't look to the Bible as their final source of authority and direction. No wonder we're in the pickle that we're in. If you get get 72% of the churches to basically remain silent or, in many cases, worse yet, endorse ungodly agendas 
or by their silence, um, seem to endorse this ungodliness that has permeated our culture, then they are partially at fault. No wonder America is crumbling within. He went on to say, bold pastors are nearly extinct. It would be much easier to play church and make everyone feel good. The church as we know it will be function, will be functionally illegal very soon. And with the recent uh, Supreme Court of the United States decisions, the First Amendment has died. And he's talking about around 2020, I believe. And churches will very soon be forced to hire those who practice uh, homosexuality and will not be allowed to speak against a sinful practice. And I don't know when you're listening to this, when you're watching this. Um, I'm recording this actually in February of 2023. And just in the last decade, we have seen um, just a massive push towards uh, sexual perversion and deviance. And uh, 10 years ago, you know, changing your gender wasn't as big of an issue. Um, uh, the homosexual, homosexual, the homosexual agenda um, wanted just, hey, just be recognized. We want the same rights. But then, you know, once that's a slippery slope and then it turns into something else and then now it gets worse and now you've got um, uh, men dressed as provocative women pole dancing or doing drag shows and people are bringing their children. We have been desensitized and look how far we have driven. Even, even when I came, since I came back to the Lord in 2000 or so, 1999, but it took me about a year to really get on track. Um, it's just amazing how far we have drifted. And I remember even back then, why are so few pastors talking about it? Um, why why is there so much silence? And, and uh, you know, because silence does speak volume. So this last chapter of the book, and if my people read this in case of national emergency, uh, you can get the ebook online, of course. Our church offers uh, free downloads of the ebook. Um, and we just want to get this message out there. So this chapter is not a rebuke per se. I'm not going to be naming pastors and, and, you know, pounding my fist. It's really a tear stained plea to return to God. The blood of unborn children and the effects of ungodly legislation are not just on the hands of the legislators or the judges, but also on the hands of capitulating preachers, those who remain silent. Society can ignore the, the, the slaughtering of children and they can mock the police, they can desecrate society and they can pillage and destroy, they can redefine marriage and they can support perversion and back ungodly movements. And pastors are not supposed to keep their mouth shut on these issues. Uh, I don't think so. We have to boldly say, hey, here's what God wor God's word says. And we can love people. We love people that, that struggle in any type of sin. You know, I tell this, we have people at our church who struggle with same-sex attraction. We love them. It's not, we, you know, we all have a propensity to sin somewhere. The difference is this blazing, this, uh, this, this blatant in your face, you know, bow to this God that I worship. And if you don't, I'm going to silence you so much for tolerance. This is not about tolerance. It's about accept our view or else. Uh, we don't want to know what your view is, and we don't want to know what the Bible says. So we need watchmen like never before. The irony of silent watchmen. The Bible calls pastors watchmen who are supposed to cry out and sound the alarm to awaken, to awaken 
a sleeping church, not sing it lullabies. The prophet Isaiah didn't mince words about lazy watchmen. He said that they are blind, they are ignorant, and they are dumb dogs who cannot bark. Meaning, meaning they cannot raise their voice to warn. They sleep and they lie down. They love to slumber. Just read Isaiah 56 today. At first glance, you may you might think, well, this wording, Isaiah, that's a little too strong. But backing away from speaking the truth in love is a serious offense against God. God says, hey, here's my truth. Now, some pastors are going to be more like John the Baptist um, you know, a little bold, little, you know, little edgy, little rough around the edges. Others are going to be like John the Beloved, a little bit more meek and, and mild mannered and good bedside manners. And, but all of us, all of us have to speak the whole truth of God's word. Uh, just our, our character makeup or our, um, you know, how, how, how we were created and, and our emotional st- our emotions, our emotional state, um, all of that uh, does not, should not play a role in watering down the truth. The truth needs to come out in a way that God designed you. For some, it's going to be, again, Leonard Ravenhill, I think. For others, it's going to be a a nice, more gentle shepherd. Um, And God calls us to speak the truth, especially, especially on tough topics. Silence about sin is rebelling against the call of God. So I will challenge you if you're listening or watching this. Uh, we do have it on both formats. You can watch it uh, on, on my Rumble channel if you're listening and, and send this to pastors. Uh, let them know, hey, this is a tear-stained rebuke. Uh, I'm sorry, this is not a rebuke. It's a tear-stained plea from someone who has struggled in the past with wanting to be liked by everyone, by wanting just to be a motivational speaker, but understanding that the more time we spend with God, the bolder we become on these issues. Um, and so if a pastor's sermon you know, doesn't upset the world from time to time, I have to seriously question their calling. Is their calling really from God? Few spirit-filled preachers are left. And when one raises up, or, or is raised up, I should say, or they rise, they are quickly labeled as right-wing, extreme, or narrow-minded, judgmental, Pharisee. And the so-called evangelical church is on the verge of total, capitulate, total capitulation, especially on the cusp of the Supreme Court's recent decision. And this was, again, a couple years ago when it seems that they were um, allowing more and more um, opportunity to redefine God's uh, perfect um, picture of marriage. And what I call, and what others call this, these woke Christians, um, they are not woke to the things of God. Uh, they are um, asleep to the things of God, and they actually need to wake up. And they often do more harm than good by hashtagging and promoting false narratives and things that are unbiblical and saying things that, you know, really challenge conservative Christianity. And there's a lot of pride in that, uh, very arrogant. And so you might think, you know, a nice, soft, liberal pastor, man, so humble. Actually, they're, they're not. They're very arrogant inside. And so, yes, conservative uh, you know, fundamentalists, you know, they can be arrogant as well. Arrogance comes up in all of us. I'm, I'm going to be working on pride until the day I die. So pray for me, but there's a difference between repenting from it and working on it 
than blatantly hiding behind this false sense of humility. And especially right now, we need to uh, unite against racism, for example, uh, and call it out when warranted. But our capitulation to ungodly groups has led to cowardliness. We don't want to offend them uh, because that won't look good. Well, no, we, we, we don't want to offend God and let God's word speak for itself. And I'll just tell you, God's word says it. I've seen it. You're not going to please everyone by telling the truth. As a matter of fact, you're not supposed to please everyone. As another indication, the fact that upsets tells you you're on the right track. The world does not like the message of the cross. They do not like the message of obedience to God or fearing God. Uh, In trying to correct uh, the sin of racism, for example, the pendulum has swung in a dangerous direction. You know, now it's, um, again, 2023, February, when I'm recording this, um, so many people apologizing for being white. You know, it's the problem of the white person. Uh, the white people did that. See, that's just that's actually re- reverse racism, or I should say racism uh, on the other end. They're saying you're racist, but really by saying these things, it reveals their racism. So we have to call it out and uh, we don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. doesn't matter if you're your skin is white or black or brown in the middle or more of a, a brown tint or, I mean, it, it, pigmentation has nothing to do with it. It is a sin problem. The sin of racism, race, racism comes from a rebellious, angry heart that doesn't know God. And there, so there's only one fix to this, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So pastors much must Preach about sin, repentance, and forgiveness. A person can only truly change by turning to Christ. The irony is that many pastors avoid talking about foundational truths of the Bible that lead to real heart change. Think about the irony of this for a minute. You know, in my area here, a pastor, I think he he left now, but he had a big church and it shrunk down. Uh, He apologized for being white and he got really behind all these ungodly uh, uh, um, movements and, and condemning I mean, white people kind of, even though he was white. Um, the irony is if he would just preached the, the totality of God's word, hey, uh, repentance, the blood of Christ cleanses us, the judgment of God, turn to God and, and be filled with the spirit. If you preach these truths of God's word, it, yeah, it will upset some. There's no way around that. But to those whose hearts it penetrates, and they change, you see the shackles of oppression, the shackles of racism, the shackles of depravity falling off and then being filled with love and joy and peace and contentment and gentleness. So they think just by giving a good discourse, it's not even a sermon, and really chiding certain people, they're going to see change. Are you kidding me? Uh, That's why they're not seeing any change. That's why they're frustrated. That's why many are leaving the ministry. It's unbelievable. And I would say you know, during the COVID issue, um, you know, obviously we're, we're out of that now f- and for now. Um, I mean, the, just the pastors that I know who are barely holding on, maybe got second jobs uh, or getting a different job, closer church. Um, it, it's, it's pretty sad. But in all cases that I'm aware of, again, I know there's exceptions, but they didn't preach the whole counsel of God's word. God was not their anchor. They weren't spending time in his word, broken, humble, fasting, praying, and being filled with the spirit. Then from that filling of the spirit, that's your foundation on which to build ministry. Without that, you're going to quit because that's, you're doing it in your own, uh, your own um, natural 
uh, abilities. And that, that never works when it comes to ministry. Um, and I, I believe that silent pastors are part of the problem. They are not part of the solution. Um, God instructs pastors and elders in his word clearly what to do. And, and a good example of this, check out second Timothy four, Paul said, I charge you, I charge you. That's a, that's a charge, <laughs> a hard, hard word there. Uh, meaning wake up, get with it, look, look ahead, look forward and embrace this. You, therefore, Timothy and, and pastors, elders before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, preach the word. Nobody will disagree. No Bible theologian that I know uh, would say, well, that only means um, certain parts of his, his word that we think are relevant today, like a smorgasbord. We just pick and choose what we want. No, preach his word is the totality, all of God's word, the pleasant things, the hard things, uh, the soft things, uh, the rigid things. It, it's, it's all of God's word. And he said, um, be ready in season and out of season. And what you need to do is convince people of the truth. You need to rebuke sin. You need to exhort them. And then with all long suffering, that means you're going to suffer long. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a painful process. But you're, you, you, with all long suffering and teaching, you keep persevering in this. So it, it doesn't say be ready in now season. Just make sure you love them and, and, and coddle them. Don't say much. Don't upset. Don't rock the boat. Um, to convince somebody means there's there's a not an argument necessarily, but it's a um, it's it's spiritual warfare. There's a contending, and then to rebuke that's pretty clear. And an exhortation can go either way; it can be encouraging. Um, the Bible talks about encouraging, you know, exhortation. But then the word exhortation could also mean, hey, let me exhort you. Uh, this is not right. Uh, this direction you're going. And then Paul in Paul's letter to Timothy. Um, he said this, set in order the things that were lacking and appoint elders. He instructed Titus to speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Check out Titus 1 and chapter 2 as well. Uh, and he follows this charge with a practical list of those things that are required for holiness and for what older men and women need to do. They need to, the older women teach the younger women and the men uh, teach the men. Uh, and the reason I believe Paul says this is so that the word of God will not be blasphemed. And you, you, when you teach all of God's word and let the chips fall where they may, let God convict, let God restore, you, your responsibility is to just deliver the message and you let him worry about how it sticks in the heart. That way it's not blasphemy. It's not... Um, it could be the word um, would be blasphemed when we don't preach all of it, um, when, we, when, when it loses its power, loses its edge. You have to remember, the power of God's word is not only in the hearing of it, it's in the application of it, and it's in the, the whole preaching of his word. Uh, if you just tell somebody a half-truth, um, you know that could be very destructive, and it is, and that's exactly where we find ourselves today. In fact, our example was set by the apostles in, in, the, uh, in the early church. There arose a complaint that the Greek widows were being neglected, and the apostles handled it rightly by instructing the believers to select seven deacons. 
And they said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, all of God's word. What happened as a result? The word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So when pastors and elders are obedient to their callings, doesn't mean the calling is going to be fun and easy, but when they're when they're um, steadfast and steadfast and faithful to what God has called them to do, God blessed, God blesses and God heals the church. The sin of prayerlessness, as the heart of cowardliness, at the heart of cowardliness are the sins of prayerlessness and pride, which are running rampant in many of our churches. The dry, dead, lethargic condition of the church accurately reflects an impotent prayer life and a lack of humility. Yes, they go together, folks. Yet in Acts 6, the apostles named two things to which they would devote themselves, preaching the word and prayer. Prayerlessness in the pulpit leads to apostasy and dead sermons. Prayerlessness in the pew leads to shattered lives and depression. Prayerlessness in men leads to the breakdown of family and prayerlessness in Washington leads to the breakdown of society. And as Ian Bounds said, when faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. Think about that. If you're dying spiritually, even as a believer, as a pastor, are you really cultivating a deep prayer life? Because when faith ceases to pray, it will cease to live, meaning live spiritually, a vibrant spiritual life. We have plenty of demands for protests, but where are the cries for prayer meetings? We have plenty of, of posts on Instagram and Twitter, or TikTok, Facebook, you know, calling out the other side. But why aren't we calling sacred assemblies? Why aren't we calling prayer meetings? So when a pastor stands firm for truth, he is demeaned, mocked, and scorned. So be ready for that. Think about that. Or people will simply leave the church in search of a more loving pastor. But this persecution, according to scripture, can be a badge of honor as long as our boldness is the fruit of the spirit and not the fruit of an arrogant heart. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, Matthew 5.10. And I want to just clarify that. When a pastor stands firm for the truth, he will be demeaned, mocked, and scorned, or people will simply leave the church in search of a more loving pastor. But be encouraged, those who are hungry for the truth and know when the Spirit of God is speaking and know when the Spirit of God is not, they will flock to hear that person because hungry people desire good, healthy food from God's Word, spiritual food. And this type of persecution from the world or carnal Christians or Pharisee Christians, um, it, 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 the scripture says this is a badge of honor uh, because if you are persecuted for righteousness sake, you know, you are blessed because you are doing what God calls you to do. However, I've seen a lot of arrogant, mean-spirited pastors use this verse. Oh, I'm just being persecuted, brother. No, you're really arrogant and just a jerk. That's you better you better get your heart right before God, then apply that scripture. Now, ironically, the closer I draw to Christ through prayer and worship, the bolder I become. Did you catch that? The closer I draw to Christ through prayer and worship, the bolder I become. But the more I'm concerned with the opinions of others, the more fearful I become. 
Boldness cannot be worked up. It must be brought down as we surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Too many pastors join the ministry not to battle the darkness, but to sign a truce with the world. Did you catch that? Many pastors join the ministry not to battle darkness, but to sign a truce with the world, to be a motivational speaker. And the calling of a pastor is actually one of a soldier. Uh, It's like a farmer planting uh, the word of God or a soldier. Paul often uses illustration. And so I think we have to really remember why we're doing what we're doing. It's the, if, if God hasn't called you, then get out of it. Go find something else, please. If God has called you to the ministry and you know it and your motives are right, then dig your heels in and we have all of eternity. This is the time to raise our voice like a trumpet. And hey, don't take my word for it. Repent of apathy. Spend a week in God's word. In the morning, in the evening, a season of fasting. Worship music on. Get, get rid of the distractions. And see what God tells you. I guarantee you he's not going to tell you to be silent unless you're an arrogant pastor. I guarantee he's not going to tell you, you know, just just become more passive than you already are. You know, you're going to light the fire of God in your heart. And that's really what what you're seeing. Let me drop this huge bomb if I haven't already. What you're seeing in the pulpits of America simply reflects the spiritual condition of America's pastors. What they put in is what they're getting out. So you're, it's, Crystal clear to me, they're not spending time in God's word. They're not trying to find some hours every morning to seek him and to humble themselves and to be filled with the spirit. And as a result, the outcome is what we're seeing. That's why many, many, even now, a lot of these mainly, you know, well-known pastors out there, um, broad ministry, you know, they're not, they're not really speaking out. If you think about it, they're not really speaking out on these controversial topics, They're trying to, you know, they're not going to wade their feet into the waters here. They're going to stand on the outside and just not really offend anybody. The problem is spiritual, spirit-filled believers are starving for the truth of God's word. And uh, the world is desperately looking for it. And their silence uh, speaks volumes. And their silence could be damning at some point. Pulpits aflame with righteousness. A quote often attributed to Alex de Tocqueville. He was a Frenchman who authored Democracy in America uh, around the early 1800s. This quote helps to identify how far we have drifted. Check this out. This is amazing. I love this quote. He said this, It was not until I went to the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her success. America is great because she is good. And if America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Pastors, we are not just cheerleaders. We are game changers. We are called to stir and to convict so that change takes place. Granted, there are many wonderful pastors and churches. I I said that earlier, and I appreciate their ministry. But as a whole, the church has drifted off course. Many have lost the compass of truth. But there is hope if we look in the right direction. Zechariah 1.3, Therefore, say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord, and I will return to you. Boy, that's a promise you can take to the bank. A life-changing promise for pastors. Return to him and he will return to you. Think about this for a minute. Could it be 
that the silence of many pastors is preventing a mighty move of God's spirit? I would say absolutely, because revival, spiritual awakenings often come in after seasons of prayer, yes, and fasting, yes, but also when the pulpits are aflame with righteousness, when the pastors are on fire, it's like they're they're calling down the fire of God in a good way, not judgment, in a good way. They're calling down the fire of God. So a dead pulpit is not going to begot or birth forth a spiritual revival. It's it just, you, you, I've never seen that in all of church history or in reading about revivals. I mean, look at Peter. He was on fire for God. He said, you stiff-necked, you put Christ on the cross, repent. Boom, 3,000 come to to know the Lord. You know, today's pastor might say, hey, guys, don't worry about it. You didn't know what you were doing. You know, as children, uh, you had a hard hard life, and, and uh, you know, you just need to connect with your inner man, and we need to not be so judgmental. And then the 3,000 would have left empty and still rejecting God. It's that, it's that fire of the Spirit that must be preached again. But right now, um, and again, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to paint all pastors in a bad light. What I'm trying to do is awaken uh, sleeping churches. I'm trying to get them to really think. Um, you might not like me, but you cannot ignore what God's Word says about this area. Many of, many of the activities at church, for example, are good and they have their place, but when programs and going on in, goings on in the ministry get in the way of a pastor's true calling, we need to rethink our priorities, possibly even um, shut down those things that are draining our time. A passionate plea to pastors, true preaching, true preaching comes when the wellspring of what God has deposited into your life is deposited into the hearts of others. But you can't give what you don't have. Dead pastors have dead churches and cowardly pastors have passive churches. George Whitfield, who many say sparked the first great awakening, wrote this in his journal while on a preaching tour of America. I'm persuaded that the the, the general sense of preachers talk of an unknown and unfelt Christ. Boy, we could say that today. The reason why congregations have been so dead is because they have dead men preaching to them. George Whitfield, 1700 guys. See, I'm telling you, God doesn't need church buildings, marketing or hype or promotion. He needs men filled with the spirit of God. Micah 3.8. But I truly well, actually, Mike, I believe, is declaring this in uh, chapter 3, verse 8. But truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgressions and to Israel his sins. I pose a challenge to America's pulpits. Mike is not saying this. I'm saying this. Where are the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs calling the nation to repentance? Where are the Peters and the Pauls who spoke with such authority that martyrdom didn't even silence them? Where are the Whitecliffs and, and the others who stood so unyielding for the truth? Where are the William Tyndalls and the John Husses willing to be burned at the stake for declaring the truth? Where are the Luthers who refused to back down from his faith? And he said, here I stand, I can do no other. Where are the John Calvins who are shaping the religious thought of our Western culture? Where are the John Knoxes who cried, give me Scotland for the cause of Christ or I shall die? Where are the Whitfields 
who are shaking continents, where the modern day Hal Harris's, the Daniel Rollins and the Griffin Jones who are preaching with passion and ushering in revival like they did in Wells in the 1700s. And I ask again, where are they? Where are the John Wesley's saying, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God and we will shake the gates of hell. Where are the David Brainerds who are spending so much time in prayer that it, that it convicted even the great Jonathan Edwards? Where are the Robert Murray McShaney's who caused people to weep even before <clears throat> he preached a word? Where are the Spurgeons speaking and preaching with such authority as to move queens and nobility to tears? Where are the D.L. Moody's who are bringing America to her knees? Where are the Evan Roberts who preached so powerfully against sin that people cried out, no more, Lord Jesus, or I will die? Where are the Puritans like Richard Baxter who said with such humility, I speak as a dying man to dying men? So where are these people with uncompromising power and authority in the pulpits today? The one thing that all of these great men had is the one thing that many of us today are lacking— authority and power of the Holy Spirit. They were men of extraordinary prayer, brokenness, and humility, men filled and clothed with clothed with power from on high, men who do the most for God are always men of prayer. Calvin Miller wisely said, preaching in one sense merely discharges the firearm that God has loaded in the silent place. And Martin Lloyd-Jones stated, Preaching is theology coming through a man who is on fire. Are you on fire for God? To affect the pew, it first must begin in the pulpit. Let me offer a couple um, resources for you as I conclude this resource or this book. Fasting for a Miracle, Elmer Towns. Fasting and and, uh, eating for health, Joel Furman, God's Chosen Fast, Arthur Wallace. And as you can see, a lot these are all on fasting because revival and prayer and fasting go hand in hand. Uh, The Ministry of Fasting by J.G. Morrison. And then Fasting, there's an expanded edition from Gordon Cove. Um, The Power of Prayer and Fasting from my friend Ronnie Floyd. A Hunger for God, John Piper. Revival Now Through Prayer and Fasting from Gordon Cove. And um, those books, when you set aside some a time for prayer and fasting, um, you will definitely see uh, God change your life in, in radical and powerful ways. So be encouraged. We don't want to end on a discouraging uh, note here. We want to, we want to be very encouraging. Um, that, you know, the burden of responsibility rests squarely upon our shoulders. You know, it's our choice. Do we stand or do we fall? So those who have been apathetic and have not <clears throat> been speaking the truth, you simply have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, ignite again a, a, a cry of of holiness and desperation in my own soul. I want to speak your truth, Lord. I'm, I'm coming back to you. Fill me with your spirit and watch what he does. Or if you've been on an, if you've been on angry tirades, And for example, you love everything I just said in this chapter. You can't wait to tell pastors off. Brother, let me, let me humbly submit to you that you need to be humbled and use this opportunity to say, Lord, I've been hard. I've been critical. I've been harsh. God, please give me a soft, tender, humble, gracious heart and watch what he will do 
with that step of obedience and humility. It's amazing what God does with humility. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Thank you for listening to us today and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Idleman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these eBooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.